0: We are continuing in David, and uh, last week we talked about the rise of David. David's popularity went from no one knew him to all of a sudden he's a national hero, and we talked about David and Saul, and we've been talking a lot about that contrast between the first king, Saul, and the second king, David, and David, we talked about, was a life giver, And, and we defined life giving as this, someone who inspires and strengthens others, And gives hope and joy. I want to be a life giver in my life. I want this to be a life-giving church. I want us to inspire and strengthen people and give people hope and joy. and, And some of the things that we can do in our world to be a life giver. We can, first of all, embrace the Spirit of God. And that's what David did in his life. We can see the good in people. We can be a peacemaker. We can forgive easily. Compliment people Be kind to yourself, where a lot of that begins. Be thankful for what you have. Show gratitude. Don't say mean things about people. Pretty simple, right? It's like kindergarten again. Uh, Don't seek praise, but instead praise other people. Be generous with your time, your money, your talent, your joy, and simply love people. That's being a life giver. Uh, Now today we're going to go from the rise of David and his popularity to now David is on the run He's literally running for his life Uh, Before we get there. I want to talk about a book that i'm reading and it's called rejection proof And my friend eva gave it to me said I would like it It didn't look like a book I would like but then I started reading it and I was like This is amazing. This guy he talks about rejection as human beings and how This is something that goes back clear to our ancestors, this fear of rejection. Why is public speaking the number one fear of humanity? (laughs) Rejection. Because you get up and you do a bad job. You don't want people to reject you. Even if one person doesn't like you, we feel the stress of that. Rejection is something that's deep in us. So this guy that wrote the book realized through his business that when he would get rejected, he just wanted to quit. He hated people rejecting him. So he goes on this 100-day, this basically being rejected on purpose for 100 straight days. And he's going to videotape all of it. And it begins with him going in to get in his car in the parking garage, and he asks the parking attendant to borrow $100. And basically, he's asking people to do things that he knows they're not gonna do just to get rejected on purpose. And obviously, the guy's like, uh, No, I'm not gonna give you $100. But, but this goes on, and, and one, my favorite one that he does, is he decides that he's gonna put on all his soccer gear. This is an adult man. He puts on all his soccer gear, and he's carrying his soccer ball, and he goes to a random house in a neighborhood. And his goal is to go up and ask the guy if he can practice soccer in his backyard, and the guy will videotape him while he's practicing soccer in the backyard. So he's in Texas, and it's on a Sunday when the Cowboys are playing. And he rings the doorbell with his soccer ball, and this guy with the big Dallas Cowboys shirt, and the guy's huge, comes to the door, and looking, the game's playing in the background. He didn't even know are about to go into overtime in the game and this guy comes to the door with the soccer stuff he says hey I just wanted to ask would you mind if I went into your backyard and practice soccer and the guy looks at him like he is crazy and then the guy goes sure go ahead <laughs> lets him go in and then videotapes him playing soccer in his backyard but the book is all about this fear of rejection because none of us i uh, don't do that this afternoon i'm just going to say uh, especially not when the chiefs are playing later tonight but but what a what a thing to actually purposely be rejected to learn from it no one wants to be rejected no one wants to feel like they're rejected but yet as we go through david's story today man This guy went through a period in his life where he was constantly rejected. And so we started last week in chapter 18. We find out that King Saul, who had brought David in, As his harp player and his armor bearer now hates David because of a song that was written that said that Saul's killed thousands, but David is tens of thousands, made Saul jealous. And so Saul tries to kill David twice. In chapter 18, David gets away. We get to chapter 19, and it begins like this. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to to assassinate David. (laughs) But Jonathan... Because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. And so now Jonathan, the son of Saul, is saying, hey, you need to get out of here. Saul's going to kill you. And, and then Jonathan goes back to his dad, kind of calms his dad down, and David comes back. And is once again playing the harp, trying to soothe Saul. And once again, the spear comes out, and Saul tries to kill David once again. And David takes off. Now, he goes home, and so a little bit later in chapter 19, he's at home, and he's married to Michael, who's Saul's daughter, and here he is in his house, and this is what happens. Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out in the morning, but Michael, David's wife, warned him, if you don't escape tonight, you'll be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window, and he fled and escaped wow. I mean, this is tough. David, remember, he's a national hero. Everyone seemed to love him, but now the king hates him. David is, man, he's an Israelite. He loves Israel, and yet the king is chasing him away. So now David's on the run, looking for help. He doesn't know where to go, and he ends up at, well, actually, before we get to that, we realize that David, when he goes on the run, he becomes, he's become friends with Jonathan, who's Saul's oldest son, and they really strengthen their bond. And, and Jonathan's always looking for David, trying to encourage him in the midst of all this, this chaos, and they make an oath to each other, an oath of, an oath of peace and friendship and, and all of this, and David, on the run, he goes to a place called Nob, and in Nob, this this. This little town, he finds a priest, and the priest there is Ahimelech. Ahimelech doesn't know what's going on, and David shows up with basically nothing, and he has nothing to eat. And he goes to the priest and said, "Do you have anything to eat? Do you have any anything that I can fight with?" And so the priest gives him some bread that David probably shouldn't have eaten, but he he did. He's hungry. He needs some food, and then. He pulls out, the priest pulls out the sword of Goliath. You remember the one that David used to cut off Goliath's head? So that's David's now weapon. He's got the sword of Goliath. He's been fed by the priest. And, and you can imagine right here how David feels. I mean, he can't go back and see his wife. He, his, his best friend is the son of his worst enemy. And now he's out on his own. And, and so what he does is he actually goes to the Philistines, you remember who the Philistines are? They're the enemy. They're the ultimate enemy of Israel. But David doesn't know what to do. He's afraid he's going to get killed if he stays here. So he goes to Gath and to King Achish of the Philistines. And King Achish actually likes David. He's thinking, man, if I can get David to come to our side, I mean, we're going to be in good shape. And so he lets David actually be there and, and start to start to make his way up in his army But very wisely, the commanders of the Philistines come to the king and go, do you know who this guy is? (laughs) You remember the song? You know the popular song that's been out? David's killed 10,000 of us. It's talking about us. And so King Achish goes, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe we shouldn't have him around. And so basically King Achish sends him away. And when he goes now, now we get to chapter 22 through 26, and all kinds of stuff happened to David now. At this point, he goes to a cave. He's got no place else to go. So he goes to this cave in Adalim. And while he's there, his brothers find him. His family finds him. And and people start to come to David. And then these people in Israel that are kind of outcasts, that aren't really part of society, they start coming to David, and David builds this, basically this army right there. This is what 21, 1 and 2 says, soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or just discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. So here David is on the run, and now he's, he's starting to attract to him Well, some outcasts and his own family, they'd come to him, and and now he has his own fighting men of about 400 people. While this is happening in the cave, Saul heard that David had been to Nob. He's in pursuit of David. He's still trying to kill him. Saul goes to Nob, and he confronts um, Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech is like, "I, I wasn't quite sure what was happening, and... Saul accuses him of helping David. and goes, yeah, I helped him. I just gave him some bread and a sword. And so King Saul, being the loving, kind, generous king that he is, he has 85 priests killed that day. 85 priests he has put to death right there because they're helping David. This man has got issues, right? I mean, he's got some hatred going on here. He's furious with David and it is coming out in every way. And so now David and his men in the cave, they make their way back into Judah. They're in Israel. And they continue to fight and kill Philistines. This, this army, even though Saul's pursuing them, they're still fighting for Israel and they're killing Philistines. But he's always running. Even though he's always winning, he's always on the run. And One point, Jonathan comes out and he finds David while he's on the run and he's in battle and doing all these things. And one of the things Jonathan tells to him, because David at this point is very discouraged. I mean, this is his country and he doesn't even feel like he belongs. And Jonathan just encourages him to say, stay strong in the Lord, stay stay strong. This will be over at some time. He's encouraging him in that. And and in this time, on two different occasions, literally, David is in a place to kill Saul. Uh, Saul is trying to get everyone to kill him. And David and his men at one point were hiding in a cave. And they're way back in the cave. And Saul stops all his men and he decides to go in to relieve himself in the cave. And while he's relieving himself in the cave, David literally sneaks up behind him and cuts a part of his robe off so that he can show Saul, look, Saul, and after Saul leaves the cave, he then yells and says, look, I could have killed you today, but I didn't. And Saul's like, oh man, David, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to do this anymore, but he still does. And so he's still trying to kill David, while later Saul and all his men, they're camping, and they're sleeping at night, like we'll be doing in a little bit. Hopefully, we, this won't happen to us. But we're we're in our campsite, and, and here they're camping. And David and his and a couple of his best men walk into camp, sneak into camp, and stand right over Saul. And Saul's spear stuck in the ground right next to his head. David, all he had to do is pick it up, and boom, and all his problems are over. Uh, but David, that's not who he is. And so he says, I. I can't do it. He tells the man that's encouraging to do it, I can't do it. This is the Lord's chosen king. I I can't take his life. And, And so he takes the spear and he takes a water bottle of Saul's and he leaves and he gets far away and he yells back to Saul and says, look, once again, I could have killed you. I could have taken you out. This could have been all over. In fact, here's what David says to Saul in that exchange. He says, now may the Lord value my life, even as I have valued yours today, may He rescue me from all my troubles. There's this picture again. David's like, "Man, when will this be over?" But Saul, although he apologizes and says he's not, I'm not going to try to kill you. He keeps pursuing David. Now, this point in David's life, you can read through the Psalms, and a lot of the Psalms are written. During this time in David's life, this, this few years of his life on the run, he's writing these these psalms, and they are in agony when you read them. It's distress. And, and you can imagine he was anointed the king long ago when he was a kid. He defeats Goliath. He becomes a national hero, but he can't live in peace. <laughs> he can't go home and rest. He's living in constant fear now in our world now we're not in battle people aren't trying to kill us at least I really hope they're not trying to kill us but yet we still live in the same place if we feel rejected if we feel like people don't like us man the distress just going to work when there's people at work that you know dislike you There's a stress in that. When you walk into that environment, if you have a family that's dysfunctional and angry at each other, and you have family get-togethers, man, there's stress that comes with that. There's an unsettling feeling because as human beings, we want to be accepted. We want to love. And so David, he wrote Psalms during this time. I want to read one of them, Psalm 31, 7 through 9. He says, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love. For you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies, but you have set me in a safe place. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. You can just hear in the words of that David's sorrow and his stress in this time of his life. And now chapter 27, David literally is like, I can't live in Israel anymore. I'm eventually going to get caught by Saul and killed. And so again, he goes back to the enemy. He goes back to King Achish in Gath. And there, his men and their wives and their children and their animals and all their belongings, they're living right there in in the Philistine country of Gath. And At some point, someone says to Achish again, do we really want David here? And so King Achish, he gives David an entire town called Ziklag. And so now he has about 600 men, and King Achish, he likes David. He's he's still going to get David on his side. So he literally gives his enemy an entire town of Ziklag. And so in 1 Samuel 27, 5 and 6, it says, One day David said to Achish, If it's all right with you, we'd rather live in one of the country towns instead of here in the royal city. So Achish gave him the town of Ziklag, and they lived there among the Philistines for a year and four months. They are living in enemy territory. Now, this is the part I really like, because it's kind of cool. But anyway, over the next year and a half that David's there, Saul finally quits chasing him. So David feels some peace. And now he's, that he's in the, the enemy country, Saul quits chasing him. Uh, but David continues to fight with his 600 men. And he continues to kill enemies, not so much the Philistines, but other enemies around. And he's literally raiding these towns unbeknownst to the Philistines or anyone else. David continues to fight for Israel and Achish is overjoyed with David because David keeps lying to him. King Achish will say, David, what would you do today? Oh, I went to this village or this village, and we wiped them out completely. And Achish is, man, David's finally on our side. Unbeknownst to the king, he's killing some of his own people. And so the king is pleased with David. And then we get to chapter 29. And now King Achish has invited David to be part of his army. So imagine this. Imagine your army all spread out. You're ready to march to battle. And at the back of the line is David and his 600 fighting men. David is the one member they wrote a song about him. We killed, he's killed 10,000 Philistines. The commanders of the Philistine army are like, King Achish, I'm just not comfortable going to fight a battle with our enemy behind us. This just doesn't seem right. And so King Achish is like, oh, guys, he's so trustworthy, which obviously wasn't trustworthy to his enemy. But he finally says, David, I just, these guys are upset. You need to go home. Why don't you go back to, to uh, Ziklag? And so David and his men, they go back. And when they get to Ziklag, the worst thing possible has happened. While they were there in Gath, someone from the Amalekites, another, another nation, came in and literally destroyed the town of Ziklag. And so in Ziklag with David and his 600 men were also their wives and their children and their animals and all their possessions. Everything was gone and they'd burned the town to the ground. And David and the men were distraught and they sat down and just cried and cried. Now, unfortunately at this time, these 600 men that were David's men. They were the outcasts. They were, they were the people they needed help, and David brought them in. They became this, this family, this, these fighting men, this family. Now they lost their wives and their kids and their stuff. Now they wanted to stone David. They were angry with David. And I, I just look at this again, and I go, man, you go from hero to being banished from your country. <laughs> And, and you've got the king of your country trying to kill you. And now your own men, your own friends, now they are upset with you. Not just upset, they want to kill him. And I don't know, well, I know you have. We all have. We've had people that are angry. People that reject us for whatever reason. Maybe we did something, maybe we didn't. But people don't like us. And it feels bad, doesn't it? I mentioned it earlier, you show up to work and you know that one person or maybe there's a group of them at work, man, they're against you. And whenever someone is against you, it doesn't settle well. And here David is, the leader of this group, and he knows that they are against him and they are now rejecting him. And here's the thing, when when you're rejected by people that are, you know, enemies (laughs) or whatever, something's happened. But when you're rejected by someone that's a friend, that's close to you, that hurts. And it makes it very, very difficult. And again, David feels this. And now his friends are rejecting him. And in Psalm 69, he says, Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. (laughs) Here's David in that place where he feels rejected. He feels cast out. And I can just imagine, because I've been there, And I can go, why, God? Why me? Why is this happening to me? For David, it's, I'm your anointed king. You chose me. Why is this happening to me? I'm leading these men, and now, why, God? Well, how did David cope with this? (laughs) In Samuel chapter 30, it says that David was in great danger because of all his men They were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. You can see this over and over in David's life. He turns back to God. He finds strength in God. In the end, in chapter 30, David regains everything that they lost in Ziklag. They got together and and God literally tells David, you need to go because all the women and children are still alive. They took them captive. And so they got together and they went and they attacked the Amalekites and they got back even more than they had lost. And and you look, man, in the end, what a victory, right? They bring it all back to Ziklag. Here they are. they're, They're on top of things again. You go, man, what a time, right? But what a time for David. The ups and the downs and the stress of being rejected by friends, being rejected by your whole nation, by your king, feeling betrayed, feeling lonely. And yet in the midst of all of it, God never rejects him. God never turns away from him. And we know that God is always with us, even in the midst of the worst times, and what I want now is I want the band to actually come up, and we're going to close out in worship today, and we're just going to worship this God, this God that loves us in the midst of all the things that happen in life, and as they're coming up, I want to read to you Psalm chapter 9, 9 through 11, and again, this is David, and this is what he says. He says, the Lord is a stronghold. For the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord. What a thought. In the worst times of life, in the best times of life, in the stress of life, in feeling rejected, we can stop and complain. God is our stronghold. And he, he is there for those that seek Him out. So what should we do? Let's just sing praises to Him. Aaron, if you...
1: Together, sing holy. holy. There is no one like you, there is none besides you. Open up my eyes in one and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and leave me. In sing that one more time. Sing Holy. We'll give you our praise. Come on, sing it out. I will build my life. Oh, Sing at church. And I will put to Jesus. And I will not be shaken. It's God, we trust you. We love you, Lord. In your name. Amen. Amen. Give God a praise. It's God, we worship you, Lord.